going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Wednesday. I could get really used to these three-day work weeks. How do we make this happen? Like on a regular basis? Probably not in the foreseeable future. Uh, thank you all so very, very much for, uh, first off, thank you to Jody Hughes for filling in over the last few days while I took care of a little piece of business that I've been waiting a long time to do. Uh, I now have a ring on my finger and it's, it, it's different. I, I don't know if there, anybody got any tips on how to get used to this? Uh, 403-974-8255 if you want to uh, text me some of your tips on getting used to uh, the ring for being married. I, I was never a guy who wore jewelry. I think I wore, remember those, if you're in the 30 to 38 demographic, you'll probably remember the the name, the skeleton name necklaces. They were black with silver letters. Yeah, I rocked one of those way back when. By rocked, I mean, I hope there's no photo proof that I actually did such a thing. But that was about the only jewelry I ever wore. And so to have something like this on the fingers, just, it's been kind of weird. I'm waiting for that first time where I you know, hit against something and really hurt my finger, that'll be about the end of it where I trip. Or on the flip side, the other thing is I'm super worried about losing it. I I have to hide it because I don't want my puppy to eat it. So I've been putting in the bathroom high up and and I know I'm going to put it somewhere. I'm going to be like, I know I'm going to put it here and I'll never forget where it is. And then I'm going to forget where I put it. Oh boy. It was a wonderful few days. Uh, got married up in Jas- uh, Jasper. We were just in Jasper, in Canmore. Friday night, rehearsal supper, starts snowing. We're going, well, there goes the dream of the outdoor wedding. Wake up Saturday, absolutely gorgeous, beautiful day. Get married in the afternoon, great party that night. And everybody's going, man, you look red. Like, have you been drinking a lot? No, I just, I'd been dancing a little. I ended up getting sunburnt in five-degree weather in the mountains. My head is a beacon that I think you can see from Edmonton. It's awful. So needless to say, uh, there's a little bit of uh, gel and that kind of thing that is uh, making a home on my head right now. Thank you, aloe vera. I'm going to take out some stock in some of those chemi- uh, in some of those companies. Man, oh man. We'll revisit some of that uh, a little bit later on in the show. We're going to start things off. We're going to get right to business. I know it's fun to talk weddings and fun to talk about love, but I got some business to take care of. Calgary Transit and Alpha House announcing they are going to join forces again after a very successful pilot project last year. Brian Whitelaw from Calgary Transit is going to join us after 4 o'clock to talk about that. We'll also talk panhandling in this city. A couple of emails lately uh, pointing to some... Concern, I suppose, over some of the aggressiveness, some of the tactics. Michael Waterston from the Calgary Police Service is going to join us to talk about what he's seeing on the front lines and some tips for you if you're kind of wondering or if you've had one of those unfortunate altercations with panhandlers around our city. And starting tomorrow, big day, the Calgary Expo is coming and it is going to be uh, expecting over 90,000 people to go through the gates. We're going to chat with Alex Kincott uh, after 5.30 about that. Calgary Transit announcing they, alongside Calgary Alpha House, will continue their partnership after a successful pilot program back in 2018. 
Their hope is to have a downtown outreach addictions partnership worker and a Calgary Transit Peace Officer interacting with Calgary's homeless and at-risk people in dealing with addictions and that kind of thing. Joining us now on the program from Calgary Transit is Brian Whitelaw. Uh, to talk more about this partnership, Brian, thanks so much for the time today. You're welcome, and thank you for calling me. How about this pilot project that has now turned into a continued partnership? And what's worked? What needs some work? And, and what's really been sort of uh, at the heart of, of what you guys have been doing to this point? Well, I think uh, originally in, in the creation of this program, we have wanted to work with the uh, the downtown outreach addictions uh, program, or the you know what we call the dope team, uh, for quite some time, and we've been searching for a way to uh, integrate really our efforts in focusing on the vulnerable population um, that you know our customers uh, encounter, and certainly uh, you know the vulnerable population itself that uh, depends in many respects for transit as well. So we wanted to. Uh, look for a partnership. Um, it takes a little bit of while to sort of break down some of the uh, the barriers um, when you're uh, a law enforcement agency, but uh, we were able to leverage um, the relationship that the DOPE team has built, and so that gave us uh, uh, really an easy way to uh, start to build trust with, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, the folks, uh, again, in that vulnerable population in the community and start to build that trust, but also to start to work on uh, longer-term sustainable plans to find housing or addictions treatment, uh, all of these things. And so I'd say what's worked really well now over uh, the course of uh, of uh, not quite a year yet, in fact, uh, we're able to leverage that partnership, build trust uh, with members from uh, vulnerable uh, groups in the community. And, uh, and and that's just, uh, we're starting to see success with folks getting into more uh, sustainable uh, programming uh, that enables them, of course, to have, uh, you know, what uh, we might consider sort of more normal uh, lives. Walk us through what you would expect in that first interaction between one of your officers and a person who is in need of help down the line. So this group actually patrols in the downtown core, um, really along 7th Avenue and kind of adjacent and then up to Sonolta Station. Uh, they'll really reach out and just have conversations, and and often there's some pretty basic requirements uh, people might have. I mean, it might be something like just simply, um, you know, having toothpaste or toothbrush or something, um, you know, just for, for care that the, the group is actually able to facilitate. But more importantly, once that conversation starts, um, you know, it starts to lead into uh, a little bit of discussion around, you know, what are the, the, the more supporting mechanisms that are required. And so, you know, I'll give you an example of one individual that um, constantly uh, was certainly uh, involved uh, with Calgary Transit Peace Officers. So since 2017, we dealt with one individual 841 times. Uh, many of those encounters were violent, uh, may have ended in an arrest or a ticket or something like that. Um, this individual needed treatment for uh, schizophrenia, and so my uh, my community outreach team uh, was able to get this person into treatment uh, for uh, his uh, schizophrenia. Uh, that treatment is building him, uh, certainly his self-esteem and his ability to interact uh, more effectively uh, in his community and around uh, other folks. 
um, that individual now um, no longer uh, requires uh, that type of intervention. And so uh, my COT team is working on housing. They're making sure doctor's appointments are kept. They're really trying to get him integrated back into, um, you know, a lifestyle that uh, takes him away from transit and takes him away from, uh, you know, causing concerns for our customers or requiring my peace officers to uh, exercise their law enforcement role. You mentioned the case-by-case basis and getting the one-by-one wins. And by the sounds of it, I mean, 569 occasions between September and February where you were able to intervene. I mean, this is a pretty strong case study in terms of being able to build relationships and understandings and and eventually uh, be able to convince people that are in need to get the help that they need. Yeah, we understand that. I mean, we know even with the individual I referred to, there will be relapses. Uh, the goal is to continually um, really lift them out of the situation as as much as we can and, and get them connected to those community resources. So it might take, you know, five, seven, ten times uh, with, you know, a lot of kind of the heavy lifting from the individuals themselves to get them finally into kind of sustainable uh, living. Um, so, you know, that's going to happen, but that's that's part of kind of an overall team approach within the city of Calgary with all the partners that are focused on poverty and, and homelessness and mental health and addictions. Brian, I do appreciate the time and congratulations on continuing what sounds like a very successful program. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Brian Whitelaw from Calgary Transit joining us, giving us a little bit of an uh, overview of the partnership between Calgary Transit and Calgary Alpha House. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. As my operator, Gord, was sitting there shaking his fist at me over the forecast, I couldn't help but replay this in my head. Boy, you lousy Springfielder, you shake harder, boy! Uh, There's always a quote when it comes to The Simpsons, isn't there? All right, uh, let's get into the next topic of conversation. This has come up over email more than a few times here over the course of the last few weeks is panhandling and aggressive panhandling and some of the issues surrounding, especially in Northeast Calgary of late, but apparently it's kind of a citywide issue. And we thought we'd go to Calgary Police to see what they're seeing on the front lines and how they're dealing with what seems as though a little bit more of an obvious tone when it comes to panhandling in our city and inspector michael waterston is in district six and he joins us now uh inspector thanks so much for the time today my pleasure give us a little bit of an insight into what you guys see on the front line when it comes to uh panhandling in this city and and some of the changes or trends that you've noticed over the last few years well, this is uh, definitely not a uh, new phenomenon for 2018 or 2019. This has been actually going on for quite some time. Um, you know, there was a time when panhandling complaints that we received as police were isolated to uh, places like the downtown core. We had panhandlers, uh, you know, on the sidewalks, um, you know, with a coffee cup, shaking the cup, and uh, that, uh, I guess, that that vision or that uh, perception of of what people thought panhandlers were um, and obviously the the city in, initiated uh, bylaws to to curtail that and at the time we started to see even the squeegee kids at intersections uh, um, you know the individuals that would clean your windows for for a couple bucks at the intersections um, so again the bylaws were able to curtail a lot of that uh, but what we're starting to see now is uh, individuals and it's all ages, uh, uh, genders, 
um, uh, hanging around at specific intersections. And uh, uh, District 6 itself encompasses quite a bit of McLeod Trail, the south end of McLeod Trail. And uh, what we see in particular at Glenmore Trail and McLeod Trail on the center median, we have individuals, uh, regulars, if you will, um, that will walk up and down the, the median um, knowing full well there's, you know, a lineup of stop traffic, and, and those are the intersections they'll pick is where there's significant traffic that's stopped waiting for the light, uh, the advance arrow, or whatever the case is. And uh, we'll walk along with the sign that uh, uh, whatever the story is, uh, looking for help, financial assistance, um, uh, looking for money um, is what they're looking for. And uh, we do have bylaws, a bylaw that uh, prohibits those individuals from panhandling from uh, a vehicle on the roadway. And that's there for a specific reason. It's the safety of the, the, the motorists and the pedestrians on the roadway. It's not safe for those individuals to be on the road. Um, we do uh, have had uh, a significant number of, of calls, if you will, uh, regarding panhandling. And if we're looking at, um, I'll give you some statistics from June 2018 to March of 2019, um, we had, um, uh, let's, let's go with 2018, 131 um, panhandling charges that were issued by the members of District 6 um, specifically. And then for the remainder, um, for, for January to March of 2019, 23 tickets issued. Um, well, most importantly is what we had for that period was 167 calls for service that required basically police to attend for um, the, the panhandling complaint and whether it was, uh, uh, you know, a safety issue, an aggressive panhandler, uh, concern for safety, well-being, the age of the panhandler, the condition of the panhandler, those sorts of things that, that required our, our officers to attend. So when we do attend, we do en engage those individuals. We do have access to uh, support resources that we try to divert them to. Um, but quite honestly, and, and I'll speak anecdotally, what I hear from, from our officers in our district is when they do engage these individuals, they all have a story, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, that's a fact. And uh, But what they do say is, uh, I make a lot of money here, and uh, it, for the most part, there are addiction issues, uh, homelessness uh, issues, um, and, and we're not going to be able to charge through violation tickets our way out of that. Um, you know, it doesn't make complete sense, and then our officers see that is, you know, to ticket somebody that's homeless, to um, give somebody a ticket that doesn't have a job, that aren't going to pay the ticket, this is a social issue. This is mental health, this is addictions, um, and we do have, like I say, support from the resources um, that we have within the city. Uh, but at the end of the day, it boils down to that individual wanting to get the help. We can't force them to um, engage those social services that are available. Um, and when they tell us, I make more money here, and, uh, um, you know, would you rather me panhandle or break into somebody's car to get money for my addiction? Mm -hmm. And that's certainly uh, an interesting point. Uh, not only the, the dangers associated, actually, let's go on the dangers issue and, and trying to get people off of the street where they are going into those dangerous intersections and trying to get money from, from travelers. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. For that panhandle, absolutely. Um, 
Um, it is not safe. There's a reason why the, the roads are designed the way they are, and there's fence in the middle. They're not designed for a pedestrian to be walking up and down the, the median. Motorists don't expect that. Motorists could be startled. Um, you know, you could distract that motorist. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the pedestrian that's going to lose. Uh, for our officers that attend uh, those scenes, uh, it, it, it is a challenge. They see the police car, and uh, those individuals know they don't want a $50 a panhandling ticket or they may have outstanding warrants or um, whatever issues that they're dealing with um, you know they're going to run and if they do run they're going to run in traffic so it's not safe mm-hmm. for them it's not safe for our officers um, uh, for for the most part our officers do know the individuals because like I say they're the regulars that uh, uh, they, they they deal with on a routine uh, basis and again, anecdotally, um, the panhandlers have their route, they have their locations, they have their pecking order of who that intersection belongs to and who can use it and who can, um, um, I guess, draw from it, um, how much time you can spend there. Um, it is a, yeah, it's a strange situation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just don't see it at on the cloud trail. It's throughout the city. Uh, like I say, wherever you have a major intersection where you have stopped traffic, we're also starting to see and, and hear from fast food restaurants and coffee shops that that have the panhandlers and their drive uh, their drive throughs. Um, and and again, you know, with the sign seated on a milk crate or whatever the case is, and 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 asking for money. And you know, for the business owners. Um, some, you know, try their best to to help them, uh, feed them if that's what they need, uh, move them along, call the police, and, and that's what we'll try to do is move them along as well, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and engage services as we as we can if they're willing to accept it. Talk a little about the other side of it, which is from a, a motorist standpoint where, and I've heard this a couple of times through email or even had a, a couple of experiences myself where it seems as though that some panhandlers want to be a little bit more aggressive. They, they're either in that dire of a situation or they feel like that's the best course of action. But how as a motorist are you supposed to react in the, the police service's eyes to get the best result and, and also bring it to your attention? Well, at the end of the day, is if, if it's not a lucrative intersection for the panhandler to be at, then they're not going to go there. Um, so I think that's probably the best advice I can give to the motoring public is is don't. If you do want to support support through the agencies that are that that accept uh, the donations, uh, don't get into a confrontation with the individual. You know, you'll read some of the um, the signs that are uh, that the individuals are holding on to, and you know, your windows are down, and you may make comment. Um, again, this is not the time or place to get into a confrontation with somebody you don't know. Um, and yeah, there are some that are uh, aggressive because they knew, know that, you know, um, people get scared, here's a dollar, here's five dollars, and you won't bother me um, while I'm waited, waiting in this uh, this lineup for the, for the next, you know, 50 seconds or whatever it is. Um, uh, some may donate out of fear, some uh, out of out of pity, uh, wanting to help. Um, but again, you got to ask yourself if you if you truly want to help, ask yourself where that money is going uh, from um, that you're handing to that individual. Um, you know you've worked hard for that money, and we can't tell you what to do with it. You paid your taxes 
for that money uh, and you're just going to hand it over to somebody you don't know and you don't know the story and um, quite honestly we live in a very affluent privileged uh, country and community um, that you know if you're in dire need of medical services housing food um, I quite honestly there there are social agencies that have that available Inspector, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Starting tomorrow, all kinds of characters and even some celebrities, including Christina Ricci, the entire cast of Back to the Future and many more embarking on our city for the 14th annual Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. Yes, it returns tomorrow. The parade happens on Friday. It's going to be a good time as always. And joining us now from the Calgary Expo is Alex Kingcott. Alex, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for having me. Talk about a big week and a big weekend in store with the coming of the 14th annual Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. Uh, What are some of the highlights heading into the next few days here? It's tough to pick just one or two things. The great thing about Calgary Expo is that whatever you're a fan of, you'll find that fandom at the show. Um, If you were to go day by day, Thursday night, I call that the best night to go shopping. If you're a fan of collectibles or comic books or costume pieces or whatever, art, custom art, um, Thursday night's a great chance to do that. The crowds are a little less. The uh, selection is, you know, all there for you. Uh, And then we also have Miss Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. performing one night only Thursday night. So if you're a fan of hers and you want to hear stories and hear some music from her career, she is not appearing at the show itself. Only at this uh, private, this special event happening Thursday evening at seven o'clock. So you can get tickets to that and, and see Wonder Woman. And that sort of kicks us off Thursday. Uh, Friday we have the Pow Parade of Wonders in the morning, a whole day of show, and then Friday night we're reuniting the cast with Back to the Future. And then Saturday and Sunday we carry on. There's a massive costume contest Saturday night. We have stars like the cast of Shazam and Christina Ricci and shows like Vampire Diaries and Smallville and Transformers. They're all there. So Saturday and Sunday are great chances to check out panels, the busiest days. So whatever you're into, you'll find something. (laughs) It sure is amazing to think about where the expo has come over the last 14 years and and just even based just simply on numbers. I mean, a lot of people look at and go, it's it's not that big of a thing. But here we are talking, you know, 90,000 people walking through uh, before all is said and done. It is massive. It just goes to show that Calgary is an incredibly creative city when we look at the size of these events growing throughout North America, we are consistently, you know, in that top 10. And that's us competing with major events like San Diego and New York and major cities across North America. So I think Calgarians have a a lot to be proud of. We are a creative city and we're a city that, that shows up for each other. And I think that that's what makes this show such a pleasure for everybody to do every year, myself included. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the planning and preparation that has gone into what is going to happen over the next four days, because it's not something that comes together overnight. I mean, you guys have been rolling out announcements left, right, and center since, you know, the early part of the year, and you guys have been obviously planning well before that. Absolutely. This is a a full-time effort. We have an office of organized, thoughtful nerds who (laughs) do nothing every day, but think about how to make this a great experience for people. Uh, I'll tell you, we already have meetings set in our calendars for, 
you know, 2020, and those happen within 10 days of the show ending. So, you know, next year's our 15th anniversary. Uh, we would really like to make it truly special for everybody. Um, that planning starts now, and it will continue. How much of a challenge is it to uh, keep trying to one-up yourself year over year over year? Because you guys seemingly are able to do that. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Um, I think that it comes down to offering some variety. So uh, there might not be your particular fandom, might not have a big presence at this show, but I think that people find that every once in a while your particular fandom comes out. So I like to think of it less as topping ourselves every year, just trying to get a little bit better every year and to continue to offer that variety. Because if you're a fan of um, something that might seem niche, Hopefully we can try to cover that, maybe not every year, but uh, but every couple of years. So keeping that variety is really important and, mm-hmm. and that we're all fans ourselves. So if there's something that we're excited about in the office, we hope that that'll translate to everybody else as well. What does it mean to you guys in the office to get that feedback after the show ends where it's, you know, had a great time or you guys get those those nice letters from whether it be, you know, fans or even those who are taking part as guest speakers and guests of, of the expo every year? It means everything. It's the whole reason we do this. Um, it's not just attendance and uh, all of that that's an indicator. It really is that feedback that we get. We get it a lot through social media. And I, I've been doing the show for over, I mean, this is, I think, my 11th or 12th Calgary Expo that I've been a part of. And you hear consistently from the people who leave, so like our, our celebrity guests that come to town and our creative guests, that they they appreciate the fans here. So as much as I can say as an office, we're proud to get that feedback. What makes us incredibly proud is, proud is that they say that the people that they met here, the fans and the, the other creatives um, and the volunteers that they interact with, that those people made their experience extraordinary. So we'll take a small amount of credit and we work really hard, but truly the success of the show is is thanks to the, the Calgarians that make this show special 100%. Well, many thanks to you guys and all that you've done in creating what has become a world-class event and looking forward to what you guys have planned uh, for the next few days here. All the best, and uh, we'll maybe have to check back in with you after the show and maybe after you get a few Zs afterwards as well. Alex, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having us. Big thanks to everyone for the kind words and messages, whether it be over the text line or on Twitter or wherever you may be listening. Uh, thanks to for you and your comments surrounding the, the wedding, the nuptials over the weekend. Uh, I got to say again, man, oh man, doing it in the mountains in early spring, a little bit of snow on the hilltops. Whew, that was something else. That being said... It was funny. Uh, one of my one of our board operators, Brian, said to me right before I left. He said, "Make sure at some point, as your bride is walking down the aisle, to take a look and just breathe that in because that's the most beautiful sight you're going to see." Yeah, I shed a tear the minute that I saw her get out of the vehicle and walk towards us. The only downside in the whole weekend, there were some helicopter tours going along, and I got the feeling that a couple of the helicopters were doing extra passes so that those who were on the tours could take pictures of the wedding. Oh, there was one point during we we read our own vows, and in the middle of my vows, I looked up, looked at the helicopter, and shook my fist at it, kind of like Gord did while he was while I was reading the weather forecast. I was, Get out of here. I'm trying to be sentimental and stuff. <laughs> As Gord says, paparazzi. I, I know that. That's it, But let me tell you, 
phenomenal weekend. I want to thank everybody at Cornerstone Theater for making that uh, an amazing venue. I also want a big thanks to our videographer, our photographer, all our friends and family, first and foremost. Man, oh man, that was phenomenal. Now it goes on to real life. We took a couple of days off Jasper, went to the Fairmont. Amazing, amazing hotel. Amazing service there. But I got to say, now that the, the real world has come back, I've realized just how easy it is for us guys. I don't have to change my name, and I'm not saying that Erin had to either, but she's decided to take my name. I'm very honored that she did. But now she's got to go through the process of going through her passport application and her driver's license and her teaching certificates and stuff all got to get, like everything has to get changed. And here I am, you know, complaining about my ring. It feels so, I feel so bad. I'm not, I'm not doing anything and she's got to do all of it. So guys, make sure after you wed your, your better half that you thank her for all the work that she's got to do after the fact. Because let me tell you, we got it so easy. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to, uh, looking forward to new days with this, this wedding ring and, and looking forward to, uh, to new, new things day three or four. And she hasn't murdered me yet. Some, it's, it's amazing feat. I got to say, I, 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 it's funny. Everybody says, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to me. Condolences to her. She's got to live with me for the rest of her life or until she smothers me with a pillow in the middle of my sleep. Every day is a blessing. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.